All right, you may be seated. I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me this morning to the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 11 this morning, looking at verses 19 through uh, 30. We'll look at a portion of this scripture this week, and then we'll uh, finish looking at it next week. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this holy moment, Lord. We truly don't deserve to sing praises to your name. We truly don't deserve to have a relationship with you. We, we truly don't deserve to have your word. God, we, we don't deserve to worship you, but by your grace, you have made a way for us and we're grateful. So, Lord, as we have sung and prayed and heard your word read, Lord, we are thankful. Fill us up with joy unspeakable this morning in gratitude and thankfulness for who you are and what you've done and how you could love us consistently and constantly and faithfully with long suffering and forgiveness. Lord, we truly are amazed. Now, Lord, we ask that you open our ears and open our eyes and open our heart, Lord, to hear your word, to receive your word, to be fed by your word, God. That's our prayer. Lord, we recognize that in this moment of time, this is the closest to heaven we'll ever experience. God, may we be mindful that you're holy and that you're righteous. God, may we approach you with fear and with trembling but yet with confidence knowing that you're a good father and that you love your children so god we pray that you help us as we uh, as we study your word together this morning we pray this in christ's name amen i really want to talk with you guys from this passage of scripture this week and next week about proper heart attitudes that we need to have when it comes to uh, living in God's unfolding redemptive plan. The proper heart attitudes that we need to have when it comes to living within God's providential unfolding redemptive plan. So as we turn our attention back to the book of Acts this morning, and as we focus our hearts and mind on our passage it really is going to be my aim and, and really my intention to, to focus like a laser beam directly on the state of your heart. Specifically, I want you to think about your heart attitudes in the midst of God's unfolding redemptive plan. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. I know we've talked about it, so maybe it's just a reminder to you, but Acts really is a theological history book. It's a book that gives us a history of God's redemptive plan from the first century on. And so when we look at it and when we study it, 
it provides for us an account of how God fulfills his promises to build his church and to advance his kingdom. It's a remarkable testimony account to us of, of how these first century Christians embrace their God-ordained placement in his unfolding redemptive plan. Let, let me say that again. Acts really is a, a history for us of how these first century Christians embrace their God-ordained placement in his redemptive plan and purposes. And they really did this with the right heart attitude. So I'm going to do something a little different this morning. Usually I ask these type of questions when I'm done, but I want to ask this question from the very beginning. How is your heart attitude? What does your heart look like? What does your life look like before God in the middle of his redemptive plan as it unfolds where you currently sit in the 21st century? So I want us to think about that together. Where are you at? kind of heart attitudes are unfolding in you and let your life and let your heart rub up against these first century Christians and then by the spirit of God may we adjust accordingly so look with me at verse 19 notice what the Bible says the Bible says now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch speaking the word to no one except Jews but there were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul and when he had found him he brought him to Antioch for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. <coughs> Excuse me. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, 
sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now go back with me to verse 19. We're going to spend the majority of our time this morning in verse 19, 20, and 21. So as we think about the proper heart attitude that you need to have and in the, as you live in the midst of God's unfolding redemptive plan, the very first one that really emerges from the pages of Scripture comes from the beginning of verse 19. And it's this. You need to have, I need to have, we need to have the proper, the proper heart attitude of submission to the Lord's will, to the submission to the Lord's redemptive plan as it unfolds. That's really what we see uh, here in our passage of Scripture. Notice verse 19. Look what the Bible says. Now those who were, what? Scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Now that phrase, that wording, all of that should sound familiar, should it not? In fact, we've already read this similarly given to us earlier in the book of Acts. We've already seen this in chapter 8. Do you remember in chapter 8 when we studied this? That when the persecution of Stephen arose, that those believers were scattered outside of Jerusalem? And so here we see this again in verse 19. We're returning to this theme. Luke brings us right back to this same theme. So I really want to really what I want to do is I want to remind you of something I've already taught you, something that you've already wrestled with, something that you've already probably dealt with the Lord in on your heart. I really want to go back to this idea of submission simply because that's where the text leads us. So by way of reminder, that word scattered, it means to sow. It means to sow seed. It means to scatter seed. And so both in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, Acts chapter 8 verse 4, and Acts chapter 11 verse 19, there's this mindset, there's this idea that's carried with us in the text that these believers were being scattered like seed across the landscape of the region that they lived in and beyond. And the one who was scattering them like seed was the Lord. In fact, if you've ever scattered seed, you know that that seed is passive and is being acted upon by a spreader. And the person who's driving a tractor or the person that's pushing the hopper or whatever that they're doing they have a purpose. They have a, an intention. They have a design. There's a place where they want that seed to go. There's a place where they want that seed to germinate. There's a place where they want that seed to grow and to bear fruit. And the same is true in our life. There's a place that God places you sovereignly. There's a place where he puts you sovereignly. There's a place where he wants you to grow. There's a place where he wants you to bear fruit. And I want you to think about this with me. We first saw this idea in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. And I want you to think about this with me. Everything that we've read from Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and Acts chapter 8, verse 4, up until this point in the text, is the fruit of God sovereignly placing Christians where he wanted them in the world. Amen? All of that is by design. All of that is by intention. 
all of that is, is part of God's unfolding redemptive plan. The impetus that he uses is the persecution of Christians to scatter them and place them where he wants them. And the same is true in our text this morning. God's sovereignly placing them. God's sovereignly scattering them. God's sovereignly putting them where he wants them to bear fruit. And when you think about this idea of scattering and how it's really a passive verb, which means that it's the subject that's acting on the, the, the verb itself, that the subject's being acted upon by, by God here, it lets us know that in our hearts, really, God is acting upon us and the proper heart attitude that we need to have and that we need to maintain is one of willingness and one of submission. One of which says, if you remember when I talked about this before, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go, I'll go anywhere. I am yours. I'm your bondservant. You are the master. You are the Lord. I am just seed placed in your hand. To, to, to sovereignly be scattered and to bear fruit wherever you would have me go. Does all of that sound familiar? Do you remember when we talked about that? Yes, no, maybe so. Well, here's where I'm going with all of this. I want to know, I want you to think about how you've been doing in this area in your life since the last time I preached this. This concept, this idea from Acts 8 until right now in Acts 11 verse 19. How are you doing with the proper heart attitude of being submitted to the Lord's will for your life? You know what's easy? It's easy to be a sermon consumer. You know what a sermon consumer is? A sermon consumer is someone that just consumes sermon after sermon, consumes YouTube video after YouTube video or podcast after podcast, and they bounce around from this celebrity preacher to that celebrity preacher to this celebrity preacher, and they say, I really like this guy because of this reason, and I really like this guy for this reason, and I really like this guy for this reason. Well, have you ever thought about the fact that God has given preachers and God has given his word for more than us being sermon consumers? Have you ever thought about that? And if we're not careful, the same thing can happen in the local church. Well, I like the way Pastor Tom preaches, and I like the way Pastor Jim preaches, or I like the way Pastor Eric preaches, or I like the way Pastor Doug preaches, or I like this about this person and this about this person. And if we're not careful, we become sermon consumers. You know what the danger of being a consumer of sermons is? You never become a sermon applier. Listen, James is clear. We're called to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Now, certainly God gives certain people to preach in a certain way that reaches our heart and praise God for that. That's not my point. But my point is, it's easy to hear a sermon preached. And as soon as we get in our car, as soon as we drive off the property, as soon as Monday comes... We've forgotten what we've heard. We've forgotten what we've been challenged with. We've, been, we've forgotten what the Lord has been dealing with our heart on. So I want you to think about this. Do you understand? Every word of God is inspired. 
all of redemptive history is ordained by God. Everything is written in the word the way that God wants us to have it. So it makes sense that when we come to Acts 8, he would use the word scattered, how he was scattering Christians to bear fruit in the world. And then we come to chapter 11 and we see the same concept. Why? Because we need to be reminded again and again and again and again and again and again until we cross the finish line, brothers and sisters, that we are called to be submitted to the Lordship of Christ. We can never hear this enough. And if you're a sermon consumer, then what happens is you just bounce from one sermon to the next and you never apply. So I come back to the same question I asked you a minute ago. Between Acts 8, chapter 1, excuse me, Acts chapter 8, verse 1 and verse 4 to today, how are you doing when it comes to submitting yourself to the word of God, the will of God, the providential care of God, God's redemptive plan. If you're like me, between Acts 8.1 and Acts 8.4 and Acts 11.19, it's been a struggle. It's been a constant battle, a constant struggle of submitting myself to the lordship of Christ on a daily basis. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Isn't it interesting? We come to faith in Christ through repentance and faith, right? That's our responsibility. We repent and we believe. And when we repent and we believe and we place ourselves under the Lordship of Christ, we say, Lord, we're thankful. Thank you, God, for saving me. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my boss. I want to follow you. I'll submit my ways to you. And then the next thing you know, over time, our hearts get dull. Hearts get hard. And we begin to want to take something back. What is it that we want to take back? It starts with the C and it ends with an L. It's control. It's control. We want to manipulate circumstances. We want to do this and, and do that and, and make things work out just a certain way. But, but when you look at this text... The reality is those believers are in Cyprus. Those believers are in Phoenicia. And those believers are in Antioch. Because God in his grace and God in his goodness and God in his sovereignty purposefully placed them there. And what, was, what they were responsible to do was to willingly submit to God's placement in their life. To bloom where they planted. You've heard that many, many times. I want you to think about this with me just a little bit further. I want you to think about this with me just a little bit further. I want you to look with me at, at, at 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. One of the things that I mentioned is that the longer we walk with Christ, it's it's really easy for us to want to take control back. When you come to 1 Kings chapter 11, there's a, there's a verse here that we should take note of. There's a person here that we need to take note of. There's a life here that we need to, to look at as a warning. And it's King Solomon. 
Yes, this is the King Solomon that prayed for wisdom. Yes, this is the King Solomon that prayed that amazing prayer and dedicated the temple. Yes, this is the same King Solomon that led the, the nation of Israel to a, a height of power that they had never seen before. Conquest, conquested lands that they had never conquested before and, and had so many people coming to Israel to learn about the one true God. Yes, that King Solomon, look at verse 4. Notice what the text says. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David, his father. Brothers and sisters, that's a scary verse. And I would submit to you that what has to happen in our heart, the, the heart attitude that we need to embrace is, is one of submission, one of willing submission to the Lordship of Christ every moment of every day. So that your heart doesn't become hard. How tragic. Do you know the first domino that fell in the nation of Israel as they ultimately would be exiled from the kingdom. Do you know the first domino that really fell? It wasn't Jeroboam. It was King Solomon. It was his heart turning away from the Lord. It's really sad. Do you understand what I'm saying? In Acts chapter 8 verse 1, we're exhorted to live under the sub submission of Christ. And then in Acts chapter 11 verse 19, we rub up against the same thing. It's because you've got to do this. I have to do this. We have to do this every moment of every day. Submitting to the Lordship of Christ. Now let me give you another thing to think through. You ready? How about the current state of America right now? How about the current state of our nation right now? where we've just had the most blasphemous prayer ever prayed in our Senate, where someone prays to all these different gods and then ends a prayer by saying, Amen and a woman. And we could go on and on and on. And I don't need to. That's not my point. But if we're not, hear me, if we're not careful, we can become overly consumed with a kingdom that we don't belong to. Amen? Let me say it again. If we're not careful, we can become overly consumed with a kingdom that we don't belong to. What kingdom do we belong to? God's kingdom. Christ's kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, do you know what it says about our kingdom? It's unshakable. It'll never be shaken. And when you read the book of Acts, what do you see beginning to unfold? A kingdom being built like Christ said it would be built in Matthew 16, verse 18, that the gates of hell would not prevail against. Brothers and sisters, our kingdom is not America. Our kingdom is not America. Our slogan as Christians is not make America great again. 
Our slogan is Christ crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. That's our slogan. And our call is repent and believe the gospel today. That's our kingdom, guys. And if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in the political banter. You'll get caught up in the political mess. And you will begin to live for the wrong kingdom. And I'm just telling you right here in Acts 11, verse 19, what we are to do is to embrace the reality that we've been scattered like seed for such a time as this. To live in, yes, a pagan nation that blasphemes God day in and day out to be salt, to be light. Listen, we should be broken over the things that are happening and it should be driving us to our knees in prayer, begging God for revival, begging God to move, begging God for mercy. This is really important. Am I saying it's important not, am I saying that it's not important to be informed? I didn't say that. We need to be informed. But what I'm saying is, be careful that the information you're getting is not leading you to live for the wrong kingdom. Brothers and sisters, since the first century, how many kingdoms have come and how many kingdoms have gone? Tons. What kingdom is continuing to be built? God's kingdom. Kingdoms come, kingdoms go. Presidents come, presidents go. But the one kingdom that's unshakable that will continue to be built is the kingdom of God. So our responsibility in such a time as this, in 2021, and hear me say this, for the Christian, it's not going to get better. It's going to get harder. But instead of looking at it the wrong way, we need to look at it the right way and look at it as an opportunity. Let me show you. Look at the text. Look back at verse 19. So those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. They're continuing to go further and further from Jerusalem. Now what do they do? The text says that they speak the word. As they're scattered, what's in their heart and what's on their lips? The gospel. That's what's on their heart and that's what's on their lips. The gospel. Listen. The second hard attitude that we have to have that this scripture helps us understand is we have to have a hard attitude that begins with submission. Lord, scatter me wherever you want and I will go. But also in that, what flows out of that is a heart attitude of gospel centrality. That as I go, I share Christ. As I go, I make disciples. I may not ask to be scattered there. I may not ask to be placed there. That may be where you place me. But when you place me there, Lord, I will embrace that with a willing heart, with a willing spirit, and I will share the gospel. I will make disciples. I will care about others. Brothers and sisters, that's the kingdom. That's the call. Now, notice what happens. First of all, they speak the word to only who? To the Jews. But you got to love the way verse 20 starts. 
It begins with the conjunction but, which means that the author is going to change direction, change thought, because he wants to connect something and, and build upon what he said and make a further point. So they're scattered in Phoenicia. They're scattered in Cyprus. They're scattered in Antioch. They didn't ask to go there. They didn't ask to be placed there. But God in his grace and his goodness placed them there. And they began to share the gospel with the Jews. And then, notice the text, verse 20. But, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, spoke to who? They spoke to the Hellenists also. And what did they speak? The Bible says that they were preaching the Lord Jesus. They were preaching the Lord Jesus. That word preaching is not caruso, which typically is used for preaching, which means to herald or to proclaim. Instead, that word is evangeluzo, which means to proclaim the gospel. So here they are. Think about this with me. They're in a city that's not their own. They're in a place that's not their own. They're with a people that's not necessarily their own. And they are sharing Christ, sharing the gospel. Think about this. It's adversity that's put them there. It's hardship that's put them there. It's adverse circumstances that's put them there. It's things that have happened to them that they didn't necessarily ask for that's put them in those places. But instead of pouting, instead of quitting, instead of isolating... Instead of withdrawing, think about this. They were uprooted from their families, uprooted from their homes, probably lost their jobs, placed in another community. And instead of withdrawing and isolating and quitting and all of those things, what do they do? They keep doing what they have always done. Sharing the gospel, making disciples, building the kingdom. Think about this. Not only to the Jews, but their hearts had expanded, Pastor Jim, like you had prayed for. Their hearts had expanded to see the fact that the gospel needed to be taken to other ethnicities. And the text focuses us in on the city of Antioch. Did you know that the city of Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman nation or the Roman culture at that time? The third largest city. There were over 800,000 people that lived there. There were five different cultures that were represented there. So it was like a cultural melting pot. So there weren't just Jews there. In fact, the Jews were the minority there. But God put it in the hearts of people because they loved him and they loved his word and they embraced where God put, him, put them to take the gospel to those who had never heard the gospel. This is significant. Did you know that the nation of Antioch was notorious. They were famous for immorality. They were notorious and they were famous for their sinfulness. And God takes his people and scatters them in the manure field of sin so that those seeds that would be planted of the gospel would spring forth and bear fruit. Do you hear what I'm saying? That when we live in 2021 and we look at our culture and we're lamenting on what's happening, do you, do you understand that probably there's a good chance 
that God has placed us here for such a time as this to reach our pagan culture, to reach our pagan world, to tell them about Christ. And it's so easy to isolate and withdraw and say, I can't stand what's happening and, and just kind of become like a turtle and withdraw in the shell or be like an ostrich and put your head in the sand. But God is not calling us to do that. God is calling us to advance. That's what he's calling us to do. The gospel always shines brightest in the darkest moments of history. So, Pastor Doug, you're really passionate about this this morning. You're really fired up about this this morning. Yes. What else could we be about? What else are we supposed to be about? I'm trying to refocus you by the Spirit's help to get your mind off of what's wrong with America and get your mind on what's right with God and what's right with the kingdom. The kingdom is just fine. God is saving people. The kingdom is advancing. People are being called out of darkness to light even while we sit here. And you can either focus on what's wrong or you can see what's wrong and use it redemptively as an opportunity to share the gospel. Do you understand that people have no hope? Let me tell you a story real quick. I was listening to a podcast recently of a guy that was talking about the fastest growing people group in America right now. They're called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And the reason that they're called the nuns is because when you have like a survey and you check your religious affiliation, they are the ones that check the box, none. I have none. They're not atheistic. They're not agnostic. They are of no religious affiliation whatsoever. This is the fastest growing part of our culture right now. The fastest growing segment of people. So this guy interviews, does a survey with some of them. Do you know what he found out? He found out this. They're not antagonistic to God. They're not antagonistic to the gospel. In fact, one of the interesting things is, on the survey, they said this. If somebody would invite me to church, I would go. Think about that. These are people that would say, listen, I don't know who God is. I don't even know if there is a God. I'm not necessarily antagonistic towards God. I don't know. That's not really my thing. But they identified this. If somebody invites me, I probably would go. So brothers and sisters, I ask you again. How much time have you spent lamenting over the rottenness of our culture? And I get it. It's hard not to. Right? It's hard not to. I'm not trying to be self-righteous. It's hard not to. I see the same thing you do. I hear the same thing that you do. I struggle with it the same way that you struggle with it. I get it. But how much time are we spending praying? How much time are we spending fasting? How much time are we sharing the gospel? How much time are we actually inviting them to church? Inviting them to Christ. Think about that. The survey is basically saying that people are waiting to be asked to learn about Jesus. <laughs> 
It's interesting. So you could be like, I mean, think about these people. They roll up into Antioch and they're like, oh my goodness, God, this is, this is an evil place. But they bloom where they're planted. They share the gospel with both Jew and Gentile. Now look back at what happens. In the most unlikely of place, places, in the most unlikely of seasons, because these Christians embraced hardship, they embraced adversity, they embraced, they embraced difficulty, they embraced all the things that they embraced. Notice what happens. Because of their faith, look what happens. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Man, we should stop right there. Pretty so hard that the mic fell down. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something very straight. You know what we need at Everglades? We need that. That's what we need. We got to remember what we need. We need to be focused on the gospel. We need to be submitted to the Lord. And what we need is God's blessing. We need God's anointing. We need God's spirit to be working in us. We need God's hand to be with us. That's what we should be praying for. I mean, listen, guys. We know what the Bible teaches us about the gospel. Amen. That a person without Christ is dead in sin. They have no hope. They're spiritually dead. They cannot respond on their own. They need the Spirit of God through the preaching of the gospel to make them alive. Amen? Why would we not pray for the hand of the Lord to be upon our church? That's what we need. We need this more than we need money in the bank. Amen? We need this more than anything. We need... The hand of the Lord to be honest. Now look what happens. The hand of the Lord was with them and a great number what? They believed and they turned to the Lord. This is repentance and faith. This is a revival that breaks out. We have not seen anything like this up until this point in the book of Acts. Nothing. This many Gentiles coming to faith in Christ, it absolutely wrecks and absolutely transforms Antioch. In fact, drop down to verse, verse uh, let's see, where is it? Verse 26 at the end. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called what? Christians. It was the Antiochians that gave the Christians their name. That's the impact that the gospel had in this pagan city. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that's awesome. And for me, I pray, God, do that again. May your hand be upon us. May you bless the preaching. May you bless our gospel sharing. <clears throat> May you help us. May you be with us. May you use us like you've never used us before. We'll go wherever you want. We'll do whatever you want. We'll submit our plans to you. You're God, not us. Whatever you want, we want. We just want you to go with us. We just want you to use us. We just want to see people saved. We just want to see people baptized. We just want to see the community transformed. We just want to see the world change. That's it. That's what we need, brothers and sisters. That's what we need more than anything else. We need the hand of the Lord 
to be with us. Here's what this means. I know we have a few long distance runners. I think Kim and Jeremy have ran marathons. Do you know what the Christian life is? If you've been reading Pilgrim's Progress, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Here's what this means. You've got to be in this for the long haul. Ups, downs, highs, lows, thick, thin. God, I'm yours every day. Wherever you place me, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And then the gospel has to be so in front of your eyes that you can't even see people without wondering. I wonder if they're right with the Lord. So here's what I want to challenge you. At the very beginning of 2021, you know what my heart is for us as one of your pastors? Man, that we don't lose the gospel. I don't care if we meet out here under the, the sky for the rest of my life. I don't care. But what I do care about is that we don't lose the gospel. That's the most important thing. Hands down. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. When you sprint, you get tired and you quit. But when it's a marathon, you get tired and it hurts and you just keep on plugging. So I wonder this morning, I want to end the way that I began. What's your heart like? What's your heart attitudes like? Where do you need to repent? Where do you need to trust God? Maybe you need to start praying for missionaries again. Maybe you used to pray for missionaries on a regular basis, but you haven't done that in a while. Maybe you need to pray for your pastors again. Maybe you haven't done that in a while. Maybe you need to get with your other brothers and sisters and say, hey, let's get together, study the word, and pray for missions. Maybe you need to do that again. Or how about this? Maybe there was a time in your life where you really shared the gospel a lot. Where you saw people not as enemies because their political views or their choices were different than yours. But instead you saw them as a person that needs Christ. Brothers and sisters, by God's grace, we all need a reset. <laughs> we all need to be refocused. And the beautiful thing is when your heart's out of whack and your heart's out of line, you know what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that we never become the church that's in a bubble. You haven't called us to be in a bubble. In fact, when we look at the book of Acts, the reality is that you bust Christians out of their bubble. God, my heart's desire for us this morning <coughs> is to look deep within us and to really evaluate, to not be a sermon consumer and hear this and just bounce. 
but I mean to hear this internally in our heart and, and really, really, really wrestle. How does the gospel impact my life? How does it impact the way that I'm viewing the world? And do I really see people around me as people that need Christ? That's their biggest problem. Father, remind us that lost people act like lost people. It shouldn't surprise us. They make the choices that they, they make. And may we not be pharisaical, God. So I pray that you lead us to repent and re have a refreshed heart this morning, a, re a renewed focus this morning on the gospel and the word and the way that you've placed us in the world. That's my heart's desire, God, for all of us. And Myself included. My heart's not right at times, God. You know it's not. Deal with it. Be merciful and gracious to us, Lord, for your good. We pray this in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand to your feet as we close with a song.